0: So I think that here's the thing is that the role of the church is to be a witness of the presence of the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing, Jesus entered in Luke, Jesus said, the kingdom is here. This is not, I mean, yes, there's a, there's a not yet aspect to it, but Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is near at hand. You can touch it. In other words, it's him. He's the king. If he's here, the king is here. The kingdom is here. Now. What does that mean? And I think that that's where we go back and we understand that what it means to exercise dominion in a godly way is to exercise it in a way that fans the flame of the image of God in all that affirms the capacity and the call of all humanity to exercise dominion. And so it means setting the oppressed free. And so it means, and that just means, it means on every level. It means those who are oppressed within themselves, oppressed by shame. Those who are oppressed within their families, oppressed by relationships within their within their siblings, or oppressed by domestic violence, or oppressed um, within cities, within nations and governance by race, by by gender discrimination. Um, oppressed between nations. That's the good news, is that Jesus came to free those who have been oppressed by domination, by the the lie that only some were created in God's image. Only some were created with the full call and the capacity to exercise dominion. Jesus comes directly against that. He says, no, that, that Samaritan woman, she was created to exercise dominion. She was created in the full image of God. I'm going to her. I'm, I'm, I'm treating her with full dignity. Um, and when Jesus gets on the cross and then, you know, gets up from the grave, it's like, it's on, right? So then you, then you have Matthew 28. Then you have Acts, Acts 1. The Spirit is coming and it's going to make you even more powerful. And then we see in Acts 4, we see what the church does. If you want to know what the church is about, go to Acts. See what the, what the church and the first church does in Acts. They don't just go out there and share the four laws. No, what they do is they actually get into the temple. Now, this is the funny thing. I just, this blew my mind when I thought about this. The temple at that time, that was the very place where the people ruled who killed Jesus. That was not the place where they just went and they, they got their worship on on Saturday. You know what I mean? It was the place where they felt the least safe. And they went in and what did they do? They ate together. They sang together. They actually exercised community with their enemies, with the people who who were after them at some point, who were going after them. And they, they also shared all things in common. They broke down the class, the gender, the racial barriers that were between them. And I think that it actually, um, we see in Paul's Galatians 3, 27 to 29 text. it's where he actually pens what becomes in the early church, the baptismal liturgy. He says, um, in Christ, uh, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no male or female. There is no slave or free. These are all power relationships. And so what what is the good news to Paul? Paul's good news is when you are in Christ, when you get baptized, you, when you are looking around at the world before you get baptized, you see everybody in the way that the world sees them. You see the power divisions. You see male and female. You see slave and free. You see Greek and Jew. And you interact with them according to the way that the world. But when you get baptized, you go under, you get washed of that mess. You come up and you see the image of God in all. You see the capacity of women and men to exercise dominion. You see the capacity of Jews and Greeks to exercise dominion. You see the capacity of of people who are enslaved as much as people who are free to exercise dominion because all are made in the image of God. What are the implications? Well the impl- honestly the implication is that we we, we should be, be led to interact differently with ourselves we should be led to see ourselves as fully human and I think that that means something for it means something different for different people right so for some fully human actually means they have full di- dignity I don't have to put anything on I don't have to put on any masks I can be vulnerable and be okay. I can interact with others and not have to live up to some expectation of what they think I should be. I'm able to just be human. And it's okay and it's good. And actually that creates the conditions where we can then have community.
1: Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a in his temple. From the day of the trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, Seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressor. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For fault with False witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord.
2: A little while. You have to take them back, okay? That is a must. Uh, we have a couple of wonderful people that are going to uh, take them and uh, keep them for a little while. <laughs> that is the goal. Cool. You don't have to get rid of them. Uh, your kids are always welcome in here. They are a blessing, and uh, any noise that they make is a absolutely wonderful thing. It's not a distraction. Okay, if your God is small, small enough to be chased away by uh, the sound of a, a child, then you need a better God. Okay, uh, that's not the God of Scripture. Let me brag on some people for a little while, because I love you guys so much, and I am just so proud to be, one, your pastor, and uh, hopefully, more importantly, your friend. I am so thankful for people like Charlie, and uh, for Tegan, who will come back and do it. I mean, people that do that, uh, do do it so that we know the words we're singing, even when uh, Eric and I mess up some a couple of lyrics on things, but Charlie just did a wonderful job today. And then all the people who've been filling in while Eric is gone, uh, we started a while back uh, where once a month somebody else would be doing it, and then it it played out just really well uh, this past month. And so thank you for that. I appreciate it so much, not just because you're filling in, um, but because it's a great reminder of all the different ways we worship because each of you uh, end up doing something slightly different. I see a couple of parents who seem to be smiling because they, they don't have to deal with a kid today. You don't really know what to do anymore, do you? It's like, okay, that's good. That's really good. I, I can see what he did with uh, the children's bulletin. I should have just given him a blank piece of paper. other thing I'm real thankful for is um, I am so thankful for our technology that allows us to be able to to see scripture and such. But today I get to read from my Bible, which I just prefer rather than reading from the screen behind me. And that's because Charlie's going to operate it for me. So um, we are in the second Sunday of Lent. So this is the second full week. You can't really say the second week of Lent because it starts with a half week. Um, But there are are Sundays during Lent, and this is the second Sunday of Lent. If you are not getting the email that I send out uh, every Sunday that has, these are scriptures you might want to consider for the week, these are practices you might want to consider, please let me know or just go on the Facebook page and uh, you can see it there, and there's a link to subscribe to that. But uh, it would tell you that the scripture for today is Luke 13 verses 31 through 35. It's going to appear behind me and Charlie's going to operate that and I'm going to read it. This is what the word of the Lord says. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I, will, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you will kill the prophets and stone those uh, sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left uh, to you desolate, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you have a phone, and I'm going to assume, maybe poorly so, that every one of us in the room has a phone. Some of us still have landlines. I'm not making fun of you. I have one also. We have a landline that is never answered, but is often called from. We call from it, but we never answer it. And it rings nonstop. And do you know what it rings with? Yeah. Spam, telemarketers. Apparently, every car I've ever had in my life, the warranty is about to expire. (laughs) And like literally just about to expire, even though, you know, the car that I drive is a 2011 that's a long warranty. Guys, we get them all the time. And, and the thing that I find fascinating on, the, on this is, well, they have scripts. You can look online and find these scripts. You can actually look online if you want some entertainment. Uh, you can find answer scripts to it that really mess them up. Uh, you may know some people. Actually, you do know at least one individual because I've done this. A while back when there were a lot of Microsoft scams that were going out or, or Apple scams, I had a MacBook. And uh, I just sat there and let the guy go through the entire thing. And it was like, oh, that's just, he was telling me, your, your, your Microsoft Windows is uh, infected and we just need to go through things. And okay, well, what do I need to do? Well, you need to press the control such and such button. I don't have a control key. Yes, you do, sir. It's in the bottom here. And I went on for like 20 minutes before I said, well, you keep on describing Windows. I have a Macintosh. Click. <laughs> They have these scripts. Here, here, this is one. This is literally one you can just buy for any product. This is what it says. Hi, Mr., Miss. I guess they don't go into pronouns and such on that. But it gives you, you say this, and if they say this, you respond in this manner. So, like, literally here. If they say yes, you go to line 20. If they say no, you go to line 25. These scripts, they're not just for telemarketers. I mean, The whole reason it's called a script is because it comes from this mindset of plays and movies. A script tells you where the narrative is going. And the telemarketers are using scripts in the sense of where do we want this conversation to go? It's a very important thing. This is actually from my favorite movie, which is The Outlaw, Josie Wells. Uh, And it's describing Josie when he's young and then he gets much worse after all. See, your scripts... Tell you what's important, how you get there. Think of it like this. What is the goal of your life? And if you're in this situation here, how do you get to the situation that points to the goal in your life? One of the individuals that we watched a video from today is Walter Bruggerman. One, wonderful name. Two, He's just kind of a cool-looking old man, in my opinion. Uh, I hope I am an old man now. I hope to be a cool-looking old man at one point in my life. That's why I wear the sweater vest. I was told it makes me look cool. Jan is one of the coolest people I know that makes me sad that you're like, "Not just no, but "Oh, no." It's bar- <laughs> Nathan, you're a man after my own heart. One of the things I love that Brueggemann talks about is he talks about that there are various scripts in our lives. Scripts in the sense of this is where your life is supposed to go. And that script begins to narrate to you how you should respond to certain circumstances. And the story we just read, the narrative that we just read of Jesus, uh, well, it is about the Pharisees telling him uh, that, hey, they're going to kill you. You need to get out of here. But there are a lot of scripts that are mentioned in that. So let's look at the three groups that were there. Okay? Here are the three groups that are, are mentioned. You may not specifically know that they're mentioned, but they're mentioned. Okay? So you have the Pharisees. You have Herod who is mentioned. And Herod is not a Jew, even though he is the king of the Jews. He is a representative of Rome. So when you see Herod here, he is representing Rome, and they have a different script than the Pharisees do. And then also, he mentions Jerusalem, which is really focusing on Jerusalem, but also the religious leaders. Probably the Sadducees would have been in control. Now, when I say these names, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, these are groups of people that have an ideology that is the focus of their life, that directs how they respond to any given circumstance. It's so good that they're so different from us and that we don't have groups that dictate how we respond to things. You were supposed to shake your head. Thank you, Adam. Okay, at least one person's like, yeah, I I pick up on the sarcasm. So let's talk just a little bit and think about what scripts might have been here. Now, I want you to think. I have some. What I have here, this is not Scripture, okay? We read the Scripture, I want to hear how you respond to the Scripture. What do you think were some of the things that might have been directing the Pharisees or directing Herod or directing Jerusalem? What were the priorities that were saying, this is how you have to respond to this? Anybody? Money and power. Who's, was that you, Noel? Yeah. Yeah, money and power is a big one. May may influence us still a little bit. And And that's probably... All three of these, the money aspect was probably these two right here. The Pharisees, socially, very influential, but probably not the most financially uh, powerful people. The Sadducees, very much so. Rome, yes, yes. Janie, I think you're stretching. I don't think you were raising your hand, were you? Okay, because if you had something to add. Anybody else? What are some other other scripts that might have been defining? This is how we are to respond to these circumstances. To Jesus being in our area. Yeah. And I'm actually just going to go ahead and go into mine right now. Because you hit on what I think is the first one. The Pharisees here, I think they were saying, we have God figured out, don't cause trouble for us. Because the Pharisees' whole mindset was, "Jerusalem, Israel will be redeemed and will be the power of the world when we follow the law perfectly and we've got it figured out. Everybody needs to listen to us. And they're telling Jesus to leave, not because they care about his safety. Because they try to trap him a lot, and eventually they will be a part of getting him killed. They just don't want him to cause trouble. We've got something working here. You need to get out of the way. One of the things I think Herod was, was pushing for, and again this is for Rome, was that uh, we brought peace, don't mess with our peace. This is a big 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 deal for rome okay there's a reason we have the Pax romana and the pox romana the roman peace was literally just brought about because of the fact rome was stronger than everybody else and if you mess with us we'll beat you up one of the worst things you could do as far as a roman was concerned was to be obstinate it was one of the reasons christians were killed we were too obstinate to say caesar is lord We would keep on saying, no, Jesus is Lord. And they're like, you're just obstinate. We just need to get rid of you. We need people that are pliable that will deal with what we say peace is all about. And peace is good for everybody. I mean, Rome brought a lot of really good things to the world, okay? There are roads that still exist that were built 2,000 years ago. I mean, we live in Wisconsin. Roads that were built last year are being destroyed right now. But the Romans were able to do that. They did some really good things. They had a script, and it caused them to respond to, well, he's a threat to our peace. We need to get rid of him. I mean, think again. We're, we're going to go to the Passion Week. In the Passion Week, Pontius Pilate, the ultimate representative for Rome there, doesn't want to kill Jesus, and in the end, to avoid conflict, goes, if you want him dead, he's dead all about saving that peace. That was their primary focus. And then, whoops, (laughs) sorry, you didn't tell me. I was clicking it, apparently. I think Jerusalem, the religious leaders were going, we are the righteous, don't don't tell us we need to repent. Jesus specifically says that no prophet can kill or can die outside of Jerusalem. And what was the prophet's role? The prophet's role was to come to the believers, usually, not always, sometimes, non-believers, but usually the believers, and say, This is what God's told you. You're not following this. This is what he told you. Follow this. And Jesus gets to Jerusalem. He cleanses the temple. He says, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And suddenly the religious leaders are really okay with killing him. Jesus had a different script that that determined how he was going to respond. Specifically in this case, he knows I am supposed to go to Jerusalem. And he knows what's going to happen there. Earlier on in Luke, and if you remember from when we went through the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke centers on Jesus going towards Jerusalem, and then he turns towards Jerusalem specifically in the ninth chapter. It says the following. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out from Jerusalem. And some translations will say he turned his face To Jerusalem. It became the primary thing in his life. He went from going to community to community to heal and to cast out that which is evil to saying, I have to go to Jerusalem. It was the focus, it was a script. It determined his actions. There are so many scripts around us that say, This is what it means to live parents i think there's a lot of guilt that happens with parenting am i doing it right or not and i think that comes from this script that says if you do everything right you'll get it perfect and your kids will succeed do you know how many times i've said the lord's prayer i mean i'm literally well i say literally i am considered the pastor for the place of peace meal I've been going to it for like 10 years and saying the Lord's Prayer at least once a week for 10 years. (laughs) And yet, I flubbed it up royally. (laughs) There are other scripts. I'm not good enough. I'm better than they are. The whole reason I used that second video was because of her talking about people that that, uh, others don't consider as human. Most people wouldn't say that, but their actions were that they're done that way. There's a script from from heaven that says this is what life is all about. Part of that script, I think we sing every week as our closing prayer. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I think the easiest summary of a lot of that script actually comes in what we know as the Beatitudes. But even that, we then turn this into a law. If I do this, everything will be perfect, which means we're following the other script. What are the scripts in your life that keep you from really experiencing the grace and the love of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus said He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And what was lost? A perfect relationship with God. Life. Situation where work is in is happening in the garden and it's not described as drudgery. Instead it becomes something that you love. Where a couple are so in love with one another that they are describing each other as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh instead of being in competition with one another or worried we're not doing it right. Or trying to prove we're winning the couple war. What are the scripts going on in your life that say you're not worthy, that say that somebody else is not worthy, that say you have to do this? And what would it look like for Jesus' script to come into your life? To say, I have come that you might take my yoke upon yourself, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. There are so many scripts in our life that are feeding us wrong messages about what life is all about. One of the best things I think we can do in Lent is to ask ourselves... What is the script that Jesus follows? The if, then, of all circumstances. And what is the script that we're following? So before I close with how I think we can use this, does anybody have anything to add? and we'll look at the video real quick to see if anybody's added there. Anything there? Yes, ma'am. I love that, and actually I missed a, or jumped a point because I was a little worried about time, uh, so I'm going to kind of jump into that right now, because what I would say is when people did that, they weren't actually following the, the script of Christianity at that point. They had taken the script of their world about power and domination and Christianized it. So one of my favorite musicals right now, uh, because of my wife, is a musical called Come From Away. Just a wonderful musical. If you're a musical person, I would encourage you to watch it. It's on Apple TV. I keep on meaning to call the Holties and loan them my Apple TV uh, code so that they can watch it, and that's my fault. I need to to initiate that. Um, It's about 9 11, and it's one of the most uplifting things you'll ever see. I know it sounds weird to say 9 11 and uplifting, but it's about all these planes and people that went to. to, Newfoundland, there we go, I was going to say New Brunswick, Newfoundland, Um, and it's so good, and there's this one song uh, in it that is about the first female captain of an American Airlines uh, uh, flight, and the whole song, it's like three minutes and 30 seconds long, And for three minutes and 15 seconds of it, it's this joyful thing of how she loves flying and how she slowly but surely moves up the ladder to be able to captain her own flight. And then the last 15 seconds gets me every time I hear it because she says she gets this report and the whole tone changes and somebody took the thing she loved and turned it into a bomb. That's what people do with the church. That's what people do with the gospel. They take the thing that I love and so many other people love that doesn't have a culture with it. There is no Christian culture. That's the beauty of it, okay? We are literally following an ancient Near Eastern Messiah, a Jewish sect as Wisconsinites. And we don't have to speak... Aramaic as Jesus probably spoke. We don't have to speak uh, Greek as most of the New Testament is written in. We don't have to speak Hebrew as the Old Testament is written in. It translates cultures. There's a large history of Native American Christianity. Uh, I actually showed a uh, Native American theologian a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if y'all remember Richard Twiss or not, uh, who said some wonderful things. But the problem is that so often we take our scripts about domination and we Christianize them. One of the biggest things going on right now uh, that's an example of that is Christian nationalism, which has nothing to do with Christianity. It is someone taking that which I love and using it as a bomb. And we need to ask ourselves about those scripts too. Have our scripts been baptized Or have we merely placed a Christian label on something that is anathema? So I agree with you. Anathema. Something that's terrible. Something that's evil. (laughs) I may have just invented it. So thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? I'm sorry, that one just gets me. Because I do it. Okay, we all mess up. We all mess up. And... What I understand about the faith now is is significantly different than what I understood about it when I first became a believer. Still the same and yet different because Christ has a tendency to expand out in our lives. But a lot of times we make really Christians some things that are really evil, which means they're not Christian. Anybody else before I close this? So here's what I would encourage you to do this week question the script. And when you question the script, the tempter, the adversary, is going to try and use that to put you on a script that he likes. You're not following Jesus perfectly, and you never will. The adversary always says, you're not good enough. Jesus says, come to me. The adversary says, you'll never make it. Jesus extends his grace. Question the script, and then look for where you can live out Jesus' script. I think our closing prayer is always a great way of doing that because it reminds us that all things do praise God and we get the opportunity to do that. I don't think I will mess this one up. Would you please join with me in our closing prayer? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May you question the scripts that are going on around you. May you question the scripts that have been a part of your life. May you hear Jesus say, you are mine. And may you allow Him to live out that love and that grace in your life. Saying, you are good, you are loved, you are mine. Have an absolutely great week. If you're on video, thank you for joining us. Remember next week, we're in that room. There will be no nursery, so you parents that are smiling right now, maybe you'll smile for a different reason next week, okay? (laughs) Have a great week.